Hello, good morning, good evening, whatever. Welcome back to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast with me, Jamie, and as always, my brother Bobby. Good evening, Bobby. Good evening, Jamie. I'm not gonna ask how you're doing. I know how you're doing. No time has passed since the last episode. <laughs> yeah. So thanks everyone for holding on for a week. Uh, it is a long one, but we are prime in the same positions we were in. A few more beers down. Still celebrating Bobby's birthday. Having lots of laughs with our friends. Be it all by sound bites. But this needs no introduction because we've already already done that once. So we'll get straight back into Jolly Boys Outing Part Two. So settled back in, the bus is no longer. It is an X bus. <laughs> R.I.P. bus. <laughs> and we've now got the boys walking around Margate. And the first thing that I noticed were Dell's shoes. Did you? Oh yeah, I didn't actually. Oh, have a little did look I at miss, those numbers. Did I miss a great Dell shoe moment? Did I? There is a great Dell shoe thing going on. It's just a really awesome pair of loafers. Just, it just looks kind of great, and it just caught my eye straight away. I'm surprised you didn't notice it. No, I didn't actually. I, I did completely miss them. They are fantastic. But we're roaring along, and everyone's basically having a big go at Dell. Not necessarily his fault, but he's definitely taking some slack. I mean, it definitely is his fault, in as much as it's his radio, which no one points out, and I'm not sure anyone realises. They're just blaming him because it's his trip and he's the organiser, so therefore he's responsible. I don't think they realise just how responsible he is. But it all comes to a nice little head when somebody tries to stick up for Albert and it just doesn't go down well. I remember once you started a war. Oh, don't start. We've had enough of your stupid stories for one day, Albert. Oi, 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 watch it. He's a war hero. He's got a right to speak. I fought for free speech. Shut up. (laughs) So, yeah, they're all kicking off. Um, They've all got their various complaints of better places they've got to be. I mean, Boise points out the fact he's got a christening in three weeks. Like, that's got anything to do with anything. It's like, he could walk it. Shut up, Boise. That's not a problem here. (laughs) (laughs) Jevon's got a date. You know, well before mobile phones. You can't send him a text and go, you'll be late, can you? So uh, that's more of a genuine problem. But yeah, as as previously mentioned, there is a train strike going on. So there's no trains. They work out they've missed the bus by just a few minutes. And so it all starts proper kicking off until uh, Alan steps in to... Settle some home truths. Calm down, calm down. You get nowhere arguing. Now let's look at the facts. What we've got here is Hobson's choice. Can't get a train. Last bus is gone. Our own vehicle is somewhat out of action. The coach company's promised to send a replacement vehicle tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. So there you have it, gentlemen. So what are you saying? What I'm saying is we're going to have to spend the night here. And it all gets uh, a bit shifty. Everyone's suddenly deciding they need to look out for number one or, or three. Every man for himself. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's sort of going off in different directions, except for Trigger, uh, who were just left on this still shot of Trigger walking off frame and then walking back to the middle and then walking off frame to the right. And then, and it's just, it's just such a Trigger scene. It's so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautifully executed, that little scene. I love it. 
But it, it, they've basically just all worked out that the smaller groups are in, the more chance they've got of finding a room. I would have liked to have seen some justifiable explanation of why Alan went with Boise and Mike and not with Rodney. That seemed a bit odd. But apart from that, it was very fun to see the little groups that people kind of, you know, worked their way off in. And of course, we're we're going to follow Rodney, Albert and Dell. going to start wandering around looking for a hotel. So you follow the trotters down the street and they do come across a hotel that's got some vacancies. Nice plush little hotel. They walk into a smell of roast potatoes. Smell that, Rodney. Can you smell that? That's, that's roast potatoes, isn't it? Yeah, and gravy. Got a nice little fluffy white cat, which is reminiscent of Albert's beard. But unfortunately, they're uh, they're all full and... I don't know, the Mother Superior of the hotel, whatever you want to call <laughs> the her. Mother Superior. <laughs> the manager, the owner. Yeah, whatever. She's not um, a nun, is she? <laughs> I don't know. I just, just I have something written mother and that's where it went. <laughs> but yeah, she's recommended something across the road that might have some vacancies. And just as they walk out, we hear that grating laughter. <laughs> So they walk into the dining room and we probably get one of the only lines that I will ever like from Mickey Pierce. Look who's here. It's the Coachbusters. <laughs> Which, to his credit, is a very funny line. It is a great line. Yeah, this this is not seen this. I think Denzel comes across as massively rude and a bit of a dick, which is very unlike Denzel. We know him to be, you know, quite soft at heart, really. I think he saw that he's been driving and not having much of a holiday. He's probably not fussed about Dell at this point. No, he's really like turning the screw on Dell, pointing out how absolutely fantastic their their digs are and how they've still got nowhere. It's like, ha, 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 you're going to go and sleep on a bench. It's <laughs> a bit cruel, but whatever. <laughs> they uh, eventually turn on their heels, trying to maintain some level of pride. And uh, there's a great little moment as they walk out again after having previously bonded. Albert then scares the cat. Good chap. Which really made me chuckle. It's such a nice little touch. I actually really like Dale's exit as he walks out and just slyly steals Denzel's roasty. Bon appetit, gits. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty tidy as well. So off they've gone, trying to maintain their dignity to the Villa Bella, which is... Uh, <laughs> Surrounded by lightning and brimstone, apparently. <laughs> a very ominous scene painted. Yeah, it's very theatric. I thought this got a very old creepy doorbell when it sounds and just opens this door to this really deadpan battle because another lightning strike happens. It, it's funny, it should be too cheesy and a bit shit and kind of take you away from the real world. But... It's just, it's good. It's good fun. I feel they've they've gone up right up into up to the line, and uh, really pulled it off really well. That when Albert's creeping up the uh, stairs to go ring the bell, he's like looking really scared and he's being really um, like theatrical and really big, and it looks a little bit silly, but I think it just kind of fits. And I'm and it really reminded me of a stage actor, which is of course what what Buster Merrifield used to be and it's really and it's a really fun little scene but they do get let into the hotel the Villa Bella does have vacancies 
we get a very sort of stark contrast. We get the the dinner wench come out and just have a little bit of an argument with Mrs. Cresswell, as it were. And it's it's a nice sort of call back to what happened in the other hotel that was looking quite nice. Mm. But it's all all a bit hectic and all a bit rude. But they haven't got much choice, so they're probably going to stay in there anyway. Yeah, I do really enjoy the contrast, the way they've kind of played these like kind of two good and bad hotels off each other and, and, and tried to kind of mirror the scene. It's really good. But yeah, that Mrs. Creswell, she's an absolute character. She she really, I don't know why it came to me, but what I was thinking of when we saw her was the um, Mitchell and Webb sketch with the uh, incredibly rude people that are still unaccountably vicars or still <laughs> unaccountably waiters. I saw you in here last week. I saw you drinking your soup. I saw you blowing and slurping and dunking your bread. We were watching you on the monitors in the kitchen and we all thought you were a dick. And this is the incredibly rude and obnoxious woman who's still unaccountably a, a hotel owner. She's a bit like a female Basil Fawlty. Yeah, very much so. Just absolutely hates people, but for some reason chooses to uh, rely on them for her income. But this sort of reception scene ends brilliantly when Dell's left to try and sign in the guest book or whatever it might be. And he, he's just going to pull the pen down onto the book and at no points to think, just lift the book up. But it just goes on and, and David Jason's mannerisms and physicality in it is just absolutely perfect. Yeah, that that is such a little fun throwaway joke. Um, there is also at this point a scene that is cut, which I imagine you don't know about because I heard about this a long time ago and have seen it before. And despite knowing exactly what it was and that it definitely exists, I could not for the life of me find it in the hotel. In, so there is a scene here where, again, in contrast to the last hotel. Dell goes into the dining room of this hotel and meets the other guests that are already staying at this hotel who are all complaining about how awful it is and how terrible the food is and how terrible the hotel is. Really? But I cannot find it anywhere. And the only reference I found to it was one other person on a forum saying, this is the only reason I know I haven't dreamt it. It's also one other person on a forum going, hey, there's a cutscene here where this happens, but I can't find it anywhere. But it, it definitely exists, and I can't find it. Have you seen it before, then? I've definitely seen it. I remember How have it well. Have you seen it? No idea. <laughs> it must have been on uh, one of these sort of Vols, Only Fools and Horses documentary-style UK gold lookbacks, like uh, BBC archive footage. But it's just not on the internet, and there's no reference to it in any of the forums I was looking at either, which was apart from this one other person who, like me, was going... I'm sure this scene exists, but where is it? I did read something about that. I read about a few deleted scenes, but you know, often these things don't exist anymore. So I kind of just took it as as by the by, because the the next scene after this one is the one that you you can see online. So I just assumed that this that was anyone existing, but I don't know. Now that you say that, I feel like I've seen it. Maybe it was in a Only Fools. UK code TV gold special or something of that nature. I, I have no idea. It's very annoying that when you know of something existing, you still can't find it. Or well, put it to task. If anyone has seen it or knows that it, of its existence, then 
do feel free to send us a link or, or drop us the file if you have it. That would be most interesting. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Miss Cresswell said she did have a three-bedroom place, but it's clearly only a two-bedroom because Rodney and Albert are tucked up on the king of sides, having a little argument, and it's just brilliant. I could just play this whole scene. It's an absolute winner of a scene here, but I'm going to quote some of that little argument because it's stunning. Tell him to stop pulling the covers off me. Rodney, stop pulling the covers off Albert. Well, tell him to get over to his own side of the beds. Albert, will you get over your own side? <laughs> well, this is like spending a long weekend with Zippy and Bungle. It's a very nice little playful scene. And I don't know if I thought about it before, then maybe I would have thought that as the bro- brothers, that maybe it would make most sense for Dell and Rodney to share. But of course, or as the two smaller ones, Dell and Albert. But of course, Dell was never going to share. Of course, he's not. Why should he? He's paying, undoubtedly. <laughs> so he's uh, he squeezed Rodney and Albert together. Yeah, too right. And the argument gets a little bit more heated. Um, Rodney starts getting a bit agitated and, and talks about Albert's beard tickling him at night. And just the idea of that happening when you're trying to sleep, you know, your uncle's beard tickling your shoulder, is, it's quite an unpleasant one. So I did, <laughs> did kind of sympathise. Yeah, the whole thing is quite creepy. But uh, I, I really enjoy this next bit. It's basically some, some genius inception here from uh, Albert and Dell as they start sort of bringing up Cassandra and dropping hints. And before they before you know it, they've convinced Rodney that Cassandra's definitely having an affair, so he should definitely go out and get drunk with Dell. <laughs> and it's just brilliant. It all happens sort of so cleverly and subversively. Rodney even sees it coming. He says, like, this is a conspiracy, like, you're both trying to get me out. But, but it works. Even when he sees the trick, he can't stop it working. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't love it there. Oh, the, the comedy element is great, but Rodney's made a promise that he's not going to go out. Like, is that a thing? Do you have to promise to someone that you're not going to go out and have fun? And I, I don't want to say it's in a black mark against Cass, but it just seems hugely unnecessary. Like, go for a weekend away, or it's, it's actually only supposed to be a day, but nevertheless, you know, you get to Margate, no, no, you're not, not allowed to go out, got to stay in. I'll be straight out on the res. I, I don't really get what this is all about because I think it's a I think it's a time thing I maybe but this seems to be a thing you hear of a lot and it obviously comes up a lot on Only Falls and in this episode yeah I don't I don't get that at all like what they're just never allowed to go out for drinks once they're married I don't know it seems odd mm-hmm. it's like they're physically uh, uh, it sounds like that the the wives just physically don't trust them at all <laughs> and maybe rightly so i mean we all know boise's been up to no good a couple of times and, and so maybe that was kind of the times is like everyone's out being naughty yeah exactly and you, you can't chase them up and i can give them a call halfway through the night so you are literally just kind of like trusting them in the ether and um, you're not sending me, sending me your location on Find My Friends app, are you? Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can't make your location <laughs> public on like you know Find My iPhone. So <laughs> it's yeah. I guess they they just go. You know what? You can't be trusted. Don't leave the hotel. <laughs> Nightmare. Mental. I mean, yeah, insane. 
But we do get, for me, one of the most memorable lines to ever come out of Alvin's mouth on this. Do have an extra blanket, not freezing in here. It is a bit cold, isn't it? Cold? You bits of kid don't know the meaning of the word. <laughs> you should have been with me on the Russian convoys. <laughs> one night it was so cold, the flame on my lighter froze. <laughs> come on in, just one quick light ale. That was the other thing on the tattoo I mentioned in the last episode. It was a frozen oh, really? flame. Yes, just remembered. <laughs> it, so that was it. It was an anchor, dolphin, frozen flame. <laughs> I actually meant to look, uh, go down a bit of a rabbit hole to find out if it is possible to freeze a lighter frame, flame. I did, it isn't. No, it isn't possible? <laughs> no, it's massively impossible. The speed of getting there's no way to instantly chill something that much, and it's kind of not really a, it's not a thing. It doesn't have mass, so you can't really freeze it. It's it's just it's lit gas. You can't you can't freeze it into a solid. It just doesn't really work like that. It doesn't have that. Doesn't really have the mass to be able to do it. Yeah, ice is obviously a, a frozen density or something. But I wondered if the liquid, it's kind of right in the pivotal parts of liquid solid and gas all in one isn't it it's a brilliant idea when you, when you think about it you go there's no way that's possible of course of course it isn't but it is a beautiful image of someone <laughs> in like minus 20 degrees going to like light up a cigarette and going and then the, the flame freezing it's just <laughs> wicked it's such a lovely it's such a good image but that is the final straw for Rodney and it's enough for him to want to get the hell out of Dodge and head towards the club if you are the best but you don't ask questions then brother I'm your man and this is our conclusion of the cliffhanger this is the deleted scene um, I, I don't think I ever knew that it existed I, I don't recall ever seeing it again uh, you can view it on YouTube and, and other places just put Jolly Boys deleted scene it'll come up nice and easily for you and Google did this show on your UK TV Gold Watch. No, because I'm watching the DVD versions, not the UK oh. TV Gold. Because I did okay. read that it was still on the UK TV Gold ones. Because mm. yeah, I, I deliberately sought out the uh, the clip first when I read about it before watching the episode. Me too. And then it ended up being played in my episode. On Britbox? Yeah. Ah. Oh. Did you recognise it when you watched it online? Uh, no, no, I've never seen it before. This is the first time, because I've clearly only ever watched it either on BBC where it's cut or on DVD. So I'd never seen this scene before. So it is a long scene. It's about five minutes or so. Um, but I'll play you a little excerpt from it, just where Dan and Rodney are having a sit down and they're in a little scampy meal. Flying a bit of scampy, isn't it? Eh? Mm. It's fresh and all, you know. Straight out to sea into your basket. Mm. I don't get scampy or fish coast. Of course you do, it's a sea, innit? Yeah, but it's my game. Yeah, I know, but a scampy don't know that, do they? <laughs> hey, what was that starter that um, Cassandra made us last week? Moors Marnie. Mmm, that's it. They were lovely moors and all, weren't they, eh? Because <laughs> she's got styles, eh? I mean, that Cassandra is a classy lady. No, no supposed so about it. I mean, a lot of people, you know, cheapos would have used muscles. <laughs> <laughs> and like pretty much 
the majority of scenes that's been cut up until now. And unfortunately, it was a licensing or uh, a copyright issue from music. So they were they were playing just the way you are. I don't I can't actually remember who was singing it now, but um, the, they didn't get the rights to play it was that. Was a ca- so cabaret singer in the background, was it? Yeah, it wasn't even the actual track. It was just a a, a cover of the song, which is a bit random. You wouldn't have had the same experience, but on the DVD version where it isn't included, watching it without that scene felt really weird. Like the, the scene does set up where we come in really, really well. So on the DVD version and what I would imagine the majority of people are familiar with, although quite a few I'm sure of you have seen it on Gold and, and now seen this scene, uh, we, we come in and essentially we're looking straight at Raquel that's the that's the, the the more standard version and all the guys around the table straight away and it just felt like a really rushed rushed transition to suddenly go into that mm. straight away and look at Raquel and actually I quite liked that deleted scene I thought it worked really well we get a good couple of minutes of Del and Rodney just sitting talking about life and and eating food and hanging out which we almost never get so it's a massive shame it got cut really it's funny that i i totally get and agree about how the scene is set up very nicely i mean you get to see boise and mike enter uh they even mention how uh and this is a great callback about how um alan isn't with them because he's uh, overindulged in seafood as we know he loves to do and is uh feeling a bit tom dick and that and that's all really great but I don't know if I I don't know if I loved the uh, actual exchange between Dale and Rodney so much. It seemed a bit like I don't know. On the one hand, I kind of agree with the sentiment that Rodney needs to stick up for himself and all that sort of stuff. But I don't really like the way it was delivered. Like the whole idea that you know you're a man, so you should be in charge. It's not that. It's just he's a part of a. It's... Doesn't he say a man should be a man and a woman should be a woman? Yeah, which I don't like because I don't think that's what's going on here. I don't think that you know Rodney being being allowed to go out and have fun is not his right as a man. It's his right as a human being, and I I don't think there's anything wrong with the way Cassandra's also pursuing a career. That's not unwomanly, and the whole theme seemed a little bit um, a little bit out of date and out of touch. Even though the thing that they're complaining about, which is, you know, Rodney being not allowed to go out and feeling a bit left out, they're right. And they he needs to do something to fix that situation. They're clearly not in a good place in the relationship. And, you know, Cassandra's making mistakes. But I, di- I just didn't like the uh, the reasoning and the methodology. It showed a bit of a lack of understanding of the situation I felt from Dell. Like it, I could have done with a bit more, a bit more nuance. I thought Dell was a bit cleverer than that with relationships. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think that you're you're looking at a scene from 1989 with a 2020 head on it, 30 years in the past. Sure. The the, the I'm looking at that scene as as a really enjoyable scene, not because of the wokeness or unwokeness of it. It is undeniably out of touch, but critically looking at it from uh, an artifact of its time i just quite enjoyed the the nature of it and if you take sex out of as in that the 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 sex of the the people and 
the sexism out out of it, then I think it does stand in uh in in what try Dale's trying to say. Like essentially it's man up and, and we can say man up without it having to be a sexist statement. Like just grab it grab life by the balls and yeah, sort yeah. it out by being a bit more Assertive. Yeah, uh, even assertive yeah, yeah. sounds a bit bit more masculine than what I'm going for, but you know, just have a chat and be like, these are the things we need to achieve. I do think Rodney needs to stick up for himself and they're in a bad situation. Um, I, I think it was, for me, it felt like a bit of a missed opportunity to uh, explore the relationship in a more modern way, which I thought the show was actually a bit better at. So maybe I just had slightly high expectations. Uh, I, I thought they were a bit cleverer because they, they set up the dynamic so well and it's so clever in the way that um, Rodney's kind of being forgotten a bit and Cassandra's very career-driven and, and that's all very modern ideas. But I felt like their answer to it was a bit was very unmodern and was a bit of a shame. I just felt like there was more they could have done and it's uh, there's a few times they've kind of surprised us with their... Uh, sort of forward thinking and stuff and uh, so it, it just felt like maybe just a bit of a missed opportunity to be a bit cleverer I am kind of in one way or another anticipating eagerly parts of the next episode just to sort of fast forward a little bit because you know the next episode is Rodney come home and we know that that is a bit of a shaky period in regards to Rodney and Cassandra and as we sort of touched on, I think I had always previously sided with Rodney. And although Cass is showing some different colours, it is kind of interesting that it's being set up in this special, ready for the next special, which is essentially a, a very Rodney episode. But I don't, I don't actually remember the content of Rodney Come Home so much that I know which side I'm going to land on and who's at fault or you know the who's really the victim as it were but i know that the old dear mum said it was one of her favorite episodes Rodney come home which was surprising oh, really? yeah interesting yeah it, it's an interesting little scene but i think as you say it definitely works well for for flowing of the story it certainly makes a lot more sense we get everyone introduced um but then there is like a little mini cut after everyone's kind of sits down and yeah, we get um, a magician and her and his assistant wander onto stage, and it is very quickly noted that it is Raquel, the stripogram. Nice. <laughs> Just quickly to note, uh, this whole dinner and a show uh, style club thing. I mean, I've never done anything like this, and I'm sure you haven't either, because the whole concept died about thirty years ago. But it's. What do you think? Is it odd, or do you think you'd enjoy it? Hasn't it come back as like a um, nostalgia kitsch sort of thing to do? Like, yeah, that, um, that, that, yeah, a bit, a bit like a speakeasy night, but like an eighties night. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea of having like a bang average cabaret singer, and then a mag- I mean, to be fair, the singer was actually quite good, but the the, the idea of being in your thirties and forties and going to a club and having. I don't know, scampy and watching a magician at like midnight. It's just fucking weird. It's funny you say that actually. I can't remember what gig it was. I can't remember if it was London. 
Was it in London? It was, I feel like it was London or maybe Southampton, but maybe it was a junglers, something like that. There was a comedy night where they offered dinner as part of the, the ticket price. I think it's like a, I think comedy clubs have struggled in the last few years. Struggling a lot more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're screwed now. But I think to kind of reinvigorate something or add a bit more capital or money coming in, there was a couple that were starting to do, you know, dinner and then the show. I'm sure I had tickets booked for something like that and it got cancelled or I was looking at it. But I think it still exists in one way or another, to be fair. Very interesting. It's certainly nothing I've ever done. I, but it, I know this is a thing that was very common at the time. And uh, I don't, I think a comedian, it could be quite good. I'd actually quite like it. Maybe some singer, but then if you're going to be talking amongst yourselves, it's a bit weird. But the magician is just really lame. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of any format. If you can add like a sit-down meal. If you can add food to anything, it's instantly better, right, Jay? Yeah, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> food and beer, add it, done. Like It's like if you go like to a football match, you can have a beer and a pasty from you know the shit-munching seats, or you get the hospitality box. You've got a bloody buffet up there, mate. I've been to a couple of those. Go buffet and cheers, have a good sit-down meal, watching the football. Happy days makes everything better. <laughs> Can't believe you just referred to the normal seats as the shit munchers and then gone on about the buffet in the box <laughs> like you're some fucking corporate executive. It was just a peep show reference, I don't actually believe it. <laughs> but yes, it is Raquel. We have established that the uh, the magician's assistant is Raquel, looking as lovely as ever, and she is overjoyed when uh, she spots Del, who not subtly grabs her attention. <laughs> Raquel! Del! <laughs> yeah, we cut to them, sort of elbows on the bar, and it's just like super flirty. There there was almost always this really nice chemistry between them. And we we talk about the last run of specials that we met them in dates end of series five, and it's just straight back into it again and Dell's got all the lines and he just instantly gets away, uh, finds a way to, to get straight back in there. Raquel, would you give me your autograph? Get away! <laughs> no, I mean, it's straight honest. I've never given an autograph before. Well, look, it's easy. All you got to do, look, is just write your name. And your address. telephone number it's funny this whole thing you had the last episode where Dell was left on his own at the end of the wedding then kind of left on his own at the flat earlier in this scene Dell was talking about the opportunities he missed in a way that as I said now last episode maybe he feels like you know he's kind of lost his opportunity to make his millions this really felt like someone who couldn't believe he was getting a second chance and was absolutely going for it and was fully invested the second he laid eyes on her of of making this work. I mean, he was very cold to her at the end of dates. I mean, obviously he was going to go and meet her before getting arrested, 
But you know, he'd had that second opportunity in the calf and quite frankly blown it and, and made the whole thing unnecessarily more difficult than it needed to be. And he is not going to make that mistake again. I mean, he is throwing himself at her and she's ready to catch him. She loves it. I think this only works if Dates does such a good job. I mean, we we couldn't have had this storyline if we believed in their chemistry and their relationship. And in although it is a long episode, we don't spend a whole lot of time with Dell and Raquel, but but we we are we do believe it and we are massively sold on it. And having them flirt away and look into each other's eyes at the bar, you, you want it to happen. You want it for Dell, and they they do just suit. It just seems like a really good match, and that uh, they've done a a great job of of getting us to this point where we want that to happen. Yeah, totally. I mean, she she said in in dates, um, the thing that made their relationship really believable to me and really made you kind of. Uh, bat for that relationship despite all the all the lies and silly things between them was Raquel said she loved the way that Del made her feel and she he made her optimistic and all these sorts of things and she says in this scene like I I could never forget you and uh, yeah it's it's great I think it's uh, really well done and like you said set up so beautifully by dates and then really just picks up again perfectly and is completely believable and even though it could almost look rushed but you just totally buy it and as only fools has the uncanny ability to do whether it is from the depths into comedy they go exactly the opposite way and we have some lovely fluffy funny moments that is instantly contrasted by the great Ramondo who comes up and is basically just being a massive dick. Don't know what the hell you were playing at on that stage. Don't you ever let that happen again. I'm sorry, Ray, I was distracted. Professionals are not distracted, love. You either get your act together or you find somewhere else. There's plenty more where you came from. And Dale quite rightly offers, if Raquel wants him to put him smack on his ass. Do you want me to whack him for you? Don't hey? Please, hey? please, stay hey? out of it. I'm amazed he asked before just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reaction. I was like, wow, you waited for him to walk away and you checked with Raquel? I'm amazed you didn't just lay him out right there. It was very, very restrained of Dale. It was, wasn't it? Unusually so. Uh, but he does finally exit and we get uh, a shared kiss between them and Dale goes just all gooey and you can just see it. It's all over him. And, and David Jason does a great job of embodying this love and affection that he has for her. And it leads perfectly into a very short but also awesome little song from Del. The most beautiful sound I ever heard. <laughs> so Del and Rodney are walking home from the club and it transpires they have absolutely no entry strategy. Uh, they were told very specifically that the doors are locked to the hotel at 11 and it's gone one or nearly two o'clock I believe yeah I mean how you've not thought this through I have no idea this is the sort of thing that I always think through but no one I'm ever with ever thinks through 
I genuinely wonder how anyone I know ever survives without my presence. Like, just winging things all of the time in their inebriated state. Yeah, we've all got friends like that. So, how have you made it this far? If I left now, you would die. <laughs> but they have a uh, a genius idea, what could possibly go wrong? And let's throw a pebble at the window to try and disturb Albert. But of course... Delph picks up a slightly larger stone, smashes the window, and they're left running off into the darkness as the entire hotel wakes up. I'm going to get nicked twice in one day. You look alive for you look alive. Let's get out of here. Come on, let's get out. Let's get out. So due to a lack of options, although not a terrible option, Dell makes his way to Raquel's flat with Rodney in tow. Buzzes on her door and basically makes out that he's some sort of freezing waif. <laughs> this, this is a point I wanted to raise, actually. There is multiple references during this episode to it being cold it's august bank holiday they were like dipping their toes in the sea earlier it's it can't be that cold they were they dipped in and then ran straight back out from the sea again maybe maybe it is the maybe it is the late in the year bank holiday because they talk about cold quite a lot yeah wouldn't that fit in more with the timeline as well I don't know, maybe it could be May, I have no idea. It did look summery during the sort of Johnny Boys Margate things going on, but it could be sunny in winter still. They're not they're not wearing shirts and shorts, are they? I mean the boys are still in most of them are in suits and trousers and jackets at least. So it probably isn't the height of summer because you'd you'd be absolutely roasting. Yeah, no, that is odd. I'm it would be interesting to know, but anyway, they, they insist it's chilly, and uh, Raquel takes pity on them and says, come up. So we make our way into Raquel's flat. There's a really good subtle bit when uh, Raquel offers her sofa in the armchair, and Del obviously just pushes in front of Rodney to take the sofa, and I just kind of thought, you know, it, it's just one of those older brother privileges. <laughs> It, it's something that I thought earlier, but then you said that Dale's bringing up the money, and frankly, he is paying for everything. But in in this, he isn't, and uh, it's just apparent that you know, with that big ad age gap, it, it's still quite apparent. And you know, the big brother gets the uh, gets the the pick of the bunch. Cheers. Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue that uh, the fact that Dale set up this arrangement is probably also part of the justification. I'd I'd like to think if they were staying with, uh, yeah, a girl Rodney was seeing, then Rodney might be able to black the slightly better sleeping arrangement. Although probably not. I'd say you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I would like to think that. In case anyone wasn't aware, and this is the first episode they were listening to, I am of course the older brother, and have taken the high road pretty much every available opportunity ever for about thirty years, or thirty-one, as it would be. Happy birthday again, Bob. Thank you very much. You <laughs> robbing little git. 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I get. That. Have you ever slept in an armchair? I'm not sure I've ever deliberately. I've, I've definitely like passed out in an armchair, but I've never gone like looked at a chair and gone. I'm sleeping there tonight. That's going to be nice. I I think I just take off a cushion and kip on the floor. That's definitely better. Can't sleep sitting up. Slept in all of the places, <laughs> all of the all of the positions, in all of the ways, <laughs> in all of the most uncomfortable places you can imagine. I've slept on uh, like in bus depots on like a horrible plastic fold down like stadium football chair. Oh, there's horrible, just just squalid floors. <laughs> oh. I've slept on many. Many a horrible, horrible floor, but I would choose a I would choose a floor and a jumper over a over an armchair. That's just the positioning's all wrong. Gravity's really working against me there. There was there's a a funny story when uh, I first started meeting up with Jen a long time ago, more than ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago. Um, he was at uni in Guildford, <clears throat> and we went out. Uh, quite a few of us got absolutely obliterated at this beach party themed uh, night at the Union and we came back to his room and he was only in halls and and his room was like the size of a closet with a bed in it (laughs) and yet he had him and someone else in the bed and four guys sleeping on the floor and it was literally like a a runway (laughs) and I woke up I woke up and no shit there was this massive, like, six-foot-five black guy next to me who I didn't meet at any point in the entire night, and yet his feet were in my face <laughs> when I woke up at nine o'clock in the morning, just surrounded by sprawled men's bodies everywhere. Oh, it was a shameful but fun time. I, I think it was actually in your... At, at Mum's house years ago, probably the most people i've slept in a room with or certainly up there was that after a birthday of yours and i I think we'd like tetris fitted in about nine guys (laughs) sleeping on your bedroom floor (laughs) and then one of them decided to start throwing up in the middle of the night (laughs) on the floor just matt oh yeah and (laughs) you were shouting on it at him from the bed so he then mumbled some semi-drunken apology everyone kind of shifted five centimeters further away because that's all they could do as he started scooping it up with his hands into a mug Uh, i do remember that as well were you in the room as well i was very much in the room didn't you have your own bedroom uh i I must have given it up to someone i can't believe for once Uh, it must have been some family or something staying because i can't imagine for one second why i wasn't in my own bedroom I do remember that clear as day. Now you say that, we had some good parties there. <laughs> Jesus, <clears throat> there's a good little line here when Dell starts. Uh, Raquel walks out, and Dell says that oh, she's a blinding bird, and you know she's not been seeing any of the blokes. And you know when she walks in, she she lights up a room. And Rodney's reply is brilliant. I mean, when she walks in, she well, she lights up a room. Yeah. Most of your birds walk in and light up a fag. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed the bit in the same point where uh, Del says that she's not been with any other blokes and Rodney gets really touchy. <laughs> like oh, Del's yeah. anger at just how touchy Rodney is being. It's just like, 
what the hell is wrong with you? And I really like that as a as something that only siblings could get like that annoyed with each other that quickly <laughs> over nothing. It's it's funny that Dale mentions that. Well, Raquel had originally mentioned that she'd not been with anyone since Dell, uh, which is, I guess, two years now, if we're saying it was kind of a year from... That's a long time. And although, to be fair, neither really has Dell. Like, we know he had that little business with Petunia, but he's actually not... He's not had any proper romantic interests interests since Raquel. Petunia, the one who's bringing around all her gear. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny because I forgot about Petunia with all her gear. Um, when he said it, part of me went, oh, actually, Dell's, Dell has been a good boy since dates, but maybe he had that one night. Although the other guys were there, weren't they? Rodney and Albert were in the room, so maybe maybe her, her gear never came out. Uh, yeah, I mean, you imagine he found another opportunity. I'm not stating for one moment that he's been celibate since Raquel, where it sounds like she has, but he has not had any even inklings of anything semi-serious. I think the most romantic he's got has been with Marlene. (laughs) That kiss at the end of the wedding was pretty intimate. Yeah. But while we're talking, out of nowhere comes the man himself, the great Ramondo. And uh... we haven't talked about what a great name the great Ramondo is. (laughs) As a stage (laughs) name, it's so good. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and when Dell's not quite sure what to call him either. Right. Ramondo, or can I just call you great? Um, but yeah, Dell just loses it, and he's he's making all sorts of threats. Rodney initially does a a pretty good job of calming calming him down and trying to add some rational thought as Raimondo goes out and starts having a a chat with uh, Raquel. Find out what the situation is first, right? Nice and easy, Dell. Right? Nice and easy. Right, right, Ronnie. I'm just going to go in there and just want to ask a few questions, and you know, like that's all. And what happens if you don't like the answers? <laughs> well, that's life, isn't it, eh? That that is such a such a brilliant question to ask someone in that situation, because it is the perfect question. Like, you know, Dale just says he's going to ask some questions, and Rodney's like, Meh. you. you there's going to be answers and there's going to be a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like think, think two steps ahead in this game of chess. Uh, it's, it's really good. Very clever from Rodney. There's, there's a really great subtle moment here when, uh, after they've had their discussion, Romando's still out. Rodney sits back down and he's on his chair and we get literally like a second, maybe two seconds of the camera on Rodney and, even though he's tried his best to talk Dale down, you can see that he's just resided to what is about to happen. <laughs> he's accepted it. He completely knows that someone's about to get a wallop and it's not Dale. <laughs> and he's, he, he's like, did my bit, I tried, and now I'm just going to let it unfold. And that, that's exactly what happens. Romando has been made out to be nothing but a complete dick up until now. However... In this very small point, uh, you've got to take his side. Like, 
he's just been woken up in the middle of the night by a couple of strangers chilling in his living room and now one of them's punched him in the nose. Like <laughs> he's having a bad evening. I felt like he deserved it, although I've got no sympathy for the character whatsoever. Really? Like let's say you take away the club scene for a second. But why would we take that away? Well, because just because he got moody because his part well okay, let's let's include the club scene. So his partner in his act was very unprofessional and ruined the act. That's not great. And then later on in the evening, she invites the same night when she completely screwed up her job, which let's be fair is, you know, probably a fairly simple job. She then invites two guys into their flat in the middle of the night without saying a word to him. Like, I've actually got a bit of sympathy. No. If it wasn't for what Raquel had told us about him, I think you need Raquel to have pointed out regularly that he's a dick to kind of explain it. Because otherwise, you know, he's he's got a point. (laughs) Oh, she does say it twice in the flat and in the club, which only installs the idea that that he is not just appearing like a dick, he is actually a dick. And for someone to come up and have a go at you in front of company, like it's just not necessary. If someone's unprofessional, you pull them aside and you have a professional chat with them. That's the professional response. You can't have a go at someone being unprofessional in a public setting with their friends around and tell them they're a dickhead. This is as unprofessional as what you're having a go at me for, mate. Pretty unprofessional, yeah. So like that, and then he's just come. He's just oh, he's just an angry guy, isn't he? He's just just really just not happy with stuff. So Della has really taken control of this situation. He is uh, trying to basically chuck the great Ramondo out of his own accommodation, and then we have this very odd and incredibly awkward exchange between Dell and. Ray and even Rodney's getting involved and Raquel's trying to explain. For some reason, Ray is unable to use the word gay and is dancing around all the trees instead of just saying the word and getting on with it. But eventually that is explained that he is not messing around with Raquel because she is not his type. This is kind of irrelevant a bit for me because maybe Dell is obsessed with the idea that Ray is knocking her about and uh, or something like that or there is like a sexual element but I wasn't sure if that was the point that Dell was worried about or if Dell just didn't like him because he was really really rude I don't know I feel like this is maybe meant to be a redemption moment for for Ray just because he's gay but I don't know it's all a bit weird this bit I'm not really sure who's who's right, who's wrong, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. I'm so confused at this point. I've, I found it very um, interesting how much Raquel already has Dell completely summed up. I'm not entirely sure if this, if her little um, spiel here is really earned when she basically describes Dell as like you know running in like a bull and blah 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 because she kind of says it in a way that implies it's the kind of thing he does all the time. And, I mean, she barely knows him. So I found that a bit weird, although it was very nicely done. Uh, she makes it very believable, and it's, it's a very it's a very sweet moment, but it seemed a little bit... 
you actually it's, you've touched on something really interesting there, and, and it, it probably is a huge error, and something that I wouldn't, I don't think about whatsoever because I know Daryl and Raquel's relationship moving forwards really well. So them talking about something that would be quite uh, apt two years down the line, having that conversation now when what they spent two nights together before tonight. And really, does she have any reason to believe anything that she's saying? Nothing's really happened for for her to have that opinion. So it's a little bit, it's a little beyond, a little bit beyond the script on that one. I yeah, think. this could be a one-off crazy moment from Dell, and like a thing he's never done before. He's just had a unbelievable fit of rage, like a one-off first time he's ever hit a man she wouldn't know <laughs> so uh, that seems a bit odd but um they play yeah, this and actually that their their entire meeting on dates there was a very vanilla and angelic version of himself he doesn't doesn't really show anything bad apart from not turning up and eventually finding out that he was arrested he was a very calm, loving, caring and nice bloke. So it actually doesn't really fit at all that, that she would... She's not wrong, but no, it just no, doesn't no, fit that she, she knows she, it. She's <laughs> talking as an audience member, not really the character. It doesn't really work. Um, mm. But, you know, as a proxy for the audience, it works well and it 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 builds their relationship. It's a bit cheating, but it's uh, it's still a nice scene. And although I picked up on it, it didn't bother me exactly. Um, no. I wish you hadn't picked up on it. You know when someone sees something, you're like, oh, never realised that before. Now, like, now, now it's, it's all stuck ruined. in my brain. <laughs> yeah. But he's the one who's driving me better. Why do only fools and horses work for la-la-la-la? It's interesting here how Rodney mentions um, he would one day like to publish Dell's diaries because he thought this was a really great story, um, which not only points out that this would be a particularly uh, unusual occurrence, but also, of course, Dell's diaries are later published as a fictional book, right? That is out there. Yeah, what's the deal with that? I think it was... Is it, is it John Sullivan... Hand in, or is it? I think it's John Sullivan's son that put it together with bits of. Oh, we ma- did touch on this before. Yeah, bits of material that kind of never made it to air, and notes that he has that John Sullivan originally made. But it came out after Sullivan's death. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I. I. I wouldn't call it canon personally, but uh, it, it's probably a reliable source for the for the most part. But it, but it is hard to know where you draw the line on it. Yeah. Yeah, we end that scene. Dale does get a nice little kiss of appreciation somehow. Um, but just before that, the the line that Rodney says does just really get me every time. I don't believe you sometimes. Why did you do that? He who dares wins. Always been the same. Well, this time I reckon that he who dared cocked it right up. <laughs> so everyone has eventually found their way home. We're on the bus as they pull up to Rodney's house and he jumps off. We get another 
masculine lecture from Dell, um, kind of just reiterating the points that he made in the club. I guess which, as they ended up having to cut that club, ends up being a really good little scene. But when you've got the club scene there as well, then it kind of makes this feel a bit unnecessary. It's odd to kind of have both, but maybe that's just me. But he's kind of just remaking that point, and uh, Rodney's kind of, you know, ready to go in and and be the king of his castle. Yeah, it's a little bit pent up. Um, I don't think if that other scene stays in the doubling handling, the double handling doesn't work because. That after the heart to heart they had on the weekend, there was just Dell, if nothing else, is generally concerned and wants Rodney to to have a good handle on things. And whether that is personified in a king of the castle, man, patriarchal sort of ideal, so be it. But but he just wants him to be, you know, strong in his position, but but not in a malicious way. I don't think it's particularly bad advice but he's generally encouraging him just to be a a free-thinking man but it probably doesn't really help to send him into the battlefield a little bit pent up yeah yeah he's definitely going in with a loaded cannon so he he walks in and it appears that Cass is doing up her shirt (laughs) which is uh suspicious straight away just before that, Ronnie looks at a painting and smiles. Do you have any idea what that painting is? No, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Let me have a look. It's just on the sofa. He pick, it's the first thing that happens. He walks in, he picks up this painting on the sofa and sort of smiles at it. I had no idea what it was. Initially, I thought maybe it was one of his old paintings, but it was nothing that I recognised from before. So I just had no idea. I didn't know if it was tying into them talking about holidays, they're talking about brochures or something like that. So, but it just didn't make any sense. But maybe it wasn't meant to make any sense. Yeah, that, that's really weird. That seems like so specific that we wouldn't know what that is. It, it's it's an old school portrait of um, a person. Yeah, like but like a medieval portrait. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it had any significance, but maybe it is just insignificant. It seems so odd that it would be insignificant. But I I also can't see the significance of it. But yeah, this is like a medieval portrait. Anyway, let's assume there's no importance. Whatever. Cass does come in, and she's doing up her shirt. And then seconds later, Steve comes in. Stephen comes in. Looking like an absolute jeb end, and also <laughs> so many buttons undone. Yeah, like and two more than he should. Like not even one more, two more. And yeah, Rodney just decides to pull Adele. I think when he says "back off, Rod," I mean, if someone came up to me and said "back off, Bob," then I'm probably giving him a punch. If you're Rodney in the situation, and you've walked into this, bear in mind how much of a jeb end that that Stephen is. Probably doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to back Rodney up on this one, isn't it? I mean, he's he has been a bit... He could have just waited a minute and asked a few more questions. <laughs> I mean, he should have done that because we know what happens. But then he wouldn't have been able to say, let me run this one past you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, Try and get your head around this. It is one of the worst fake punches in TV history, but <laughs> the build-up is so good. You feel like... You, I get the impression that Nicholas Linhouse has never thrown a punch in anger in his life. <laughs> and the intro to it is... The, the lead-up to it is so perfect. We find out pretty instantly that it how big a mistake it was because from behind, Stephen's missus suddenly walks in. But it's still hard to sympathise because, I don't know, it still looked like there was something going on. Could have been an orgy. Yeah, and Stephen is so much of a dick that he deserves the slap anyway, so I still had no sympathy. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is just his fault for having that face and talking like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's bound to happen eventually. So in a real... Um, what feels like a bit of a repeat of the last episode, um, we're back in the flat and Nelson Mandela house with Dell on his own, having a chat on the phone. He is this time talking to Raquel and he's, uh, he's complimenting Rodney and saying kind of how proud he is of him trying to work through his marital problems in a mature and responsible way. Who's he's been very soft on Cassandra and to you, something you said a few times recently, he, he is being very cute to her and it, it's kind of tailing off this this episode really nicely. It, it's nice that it gives it kind of that growth to Dell. I mean, I feel that's exactly what this scene did in the last episode as well. Is you kind of get that softer side of Dell, but then um, who should walk in? Suitcase in one hand and a bemused expression in the other. <laughs> but Rodney. We got some after. So, I I. Odd ending, right? It was, there was a weird... Um, again, it was kind of the exact same ending as the last episode where Rodney surprisingly turns up in the flat at the last minute, although this time he's been kicked out as opposed to going to the wrong house. There seemed to be a weirdly large laugh from the audience which seemed massively unearned, which was a bit odd. Did you notice that? Mm can't say that I did. Well, you think it's been dubbed? Maybe. It just seems not that funny that Rodney turns up. It does seem a, maybe a little bit over-embellished. Maybe not shitloads, but I'm sure the neon signs of laughter probably came on. <laughs> oh, I hope not. But um, it, it, it's a fun cliffhanger ending because... Obviously, we know there's, there must be more to this. Or or maybe not. Maybe we, we don't know where this is going to be. Is the next episode going to be Rodney back at the flat, but there's tension? Or is Rodney going to be kicked out for a long time? And that um, ambiguity is, is really fun. And so I, I like that for an ending. The uncertainty and the fact that literally just the last episode he got married and here we are one more episode although it's a year later for us it's only one more episode and he's been kicked out already it's uh, not very encouraging for their long-term relationship it's not exactly the same but a lot of it only fools episodes do kind of go full circle in the way that they generally end up in the same place that they started in <laughs> and yeah it kind yeah. of feels like a little bit of a and nod to that, you know, the last two episodes we've gone through all these sort of things and yet we're back to square one again because Rodney's coming back into the flat. 
So it kind of feels like end of that. The laugh, the laughter maybe is a bit much, but I kind of, I kind of like that direction. I guess like it does add a question over a really good episode, and it it won't have make you keen to to watch the next one. The what what is going to happen next is going to be a a huge enticing part for uh, for the audience. Yeah, I, th- I think from from a story perspective, it's a really nice ending, kind of untied up, mm. and yeah, it's uh, you know it, it's clever and it definitely uh, sort of builds that suspense for the next episode. But as a whole, what do we think of this episode? I'm not really going to go into it. it. It's just my favourite episode of Only Fools. I call it nostalgia, a, a young kid's idolisation of what adult life might be like, the adventure, the outlandishness of exploding coaches. It just all works. It's not a classic Only Fools for many reasons. It really isn't. It, it isn't them on a scheme. There isn't any stakes. There's almost no tension, really. But there is love. There's affection. The plot and character development It's also believable. As always, there is just these heartfelt moments that that comes in, but the comedy really does reign supreme. There's so much to laugh at. This is one of the episodes I've probably seen more than most. And whereas most of the episodes that I've watched more than others, I've generally found in a podcast I've marked down because they're really familiar, and the ones I haven't seen I've marked up because I had don't know them so well. The the very best ones are timeless. And their rewatch value is infinite. Like my other favourites that I've seen more than others, Losing Streak, He Wants a Millionaire, Unlucky Winner Is, all these ones that I've considered top, they just cannot be tarnished, no matter how many times I see them. This really does feel like the heyday of Only Fools. Although Rodney is in a relationship, it doesn't feature. And although Dell's love interest is back, it's it's not really the centre focus point. It kind of feels like a stag do of the series, almost. You know, from here we kind of get into the couples, into the families. We get more drama. It becomes more of a soap opera and this kind of soap era, which has its positives, definitely. Those parts will add loads more depth and feeling. For me, this felt like the last hurrah fun and games and stupidity it's just perfectly situated in the series and it ends up being a perfect send-off for this family living and operating together that we've known for the last six seasons and for the last eight years and watching this in christmas 1989 that would have been a bloody good christmas day i would have absolutely adored this there's no place to be critical here really there are a few points, but for me, I wasn't going to spoil any of my enjoyment for this, which is just the pinnacle and just my favourite. So no holes for me. Absolutely loved it. What a journey. Yeah, I mean, that was a nice, I, I guess I should call it a summary, but it was almost as long as the episode, so I don't <laughs> know if that's an appropriate name. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I like your take on the episode. I definitely agree with you on a lot of points. It is... The stag do analogy was particularly good. That is very much what it feels like, especially 
for us knowing what the rest of the series is like and how um, coupled up it is. Uh, it does feel like a bit of a last hurrah of the gang. Um, and when we've enjoyed that so much in the last series, that is that is something that is to be both celebrated and mourned, like uh, like any stag do, really, appropriately. Yeah. But I, I do think, though, the couple elements were a big part of this episode, as much as it is the Jolly Boys outing and it was all about the lads. I mean, the first... 15 minutes is kind of all about Rodney and Cassandra more than anything else and then there's that another sort of big 10-15 minutes in that latter quarter that's all about Del and Raquel so I, I still think that was they, they were big parts of the episode and we're still we're still concentrating on that their kind of growth and relationships going forward but I liked the balance they struck on that it was really good and uh there is just something for everyone in in an episode like this because you've got those kind of bits of of romance and and relationship and the but you've also got conflict and you've got just very cleverly written stories and lots of surprises as well lots of very well thought out clever bits and pieces that really come together well and I imagine anyone watching this on Christmas Day I mean who the hell saw Raquel coming back I don't know if this is something they would have admitted in like the previews beforehand I hope not or in the press yeah this is what I'm thinking is this something that everyone read about in the radio times that you know Raquel was coming back to Only Fools I mean even if they did say that if they didn't say how or anything I can imagine that would have been a really exciting thing for anyone watching it going where's she coming where's she coming how are they going to bring her back how are they going to do it so all of that was great and I really like that they brought her back and we spoke about this on dates I don't know how I'm not sure at what point they decided to do that but she was a fantastic character on dates I think she does a really great job here Um, just a very nice strong interesting woman very likeable character and uh, yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Raquel it's nice. I, I'm really, I've really enjoyed the diversifying of characters over the episodes. Kind of whenever you get, it's not that I didn't enjoy just the family stuff early on, but as you're kind of watching it, it if anything starts to feel a little bit um, dry or or overplayed, they they bring in something else, you know. And and they've got the timing of that, I think, perfect on this show, you know the changing up of characters, the adding of other characters, the bringing the family and relationships in. I think it's just all been handled brilliantly and it just keeps everything fresh and it gives us new things to to enjoy and new conflicts, new things to analyse and discuss. And Yeah, it's just, just spot on. It's something that I've never really taken the time to think about. As a young teenager and even preteen watching this like I almost entirely dismissed the female characters in general on the later episodes like Raquel and Cassandra like they have some funny lines <clears throat> and obviously on the next level they add to the dynamic but as a young teenager I, I'm focusing very much on Rodney, Dell, and Albert. That that's where the show is, and I just don't understand. Be so, and I just don't have any care for anyone else. But 
looking through where we are now with a critical eye, you, you're exactly right that the, the diversification of characters has been what the show has needed, and they've done it really, really well, which is why it's continued to grow in success and popularity, and the storylines are still interesting. So looking forward now to the involvement of both Cassandra and Raquel in these latter parts, I'm super interested in because I've never, I never really had the the ability, or the maturity or the wisdom to appreciate their character. I know that sounds like a really stupid mm. thing to say, but no, no, I think it's I get that. But a perfect mixture of my age and maturity and the, the way in which we view women now, or the popular way that women are viewed now compared to maybe they were thirty years ago. I think it's been a really interesting sort of point of focus to see the the good and or bad that that they do bring into it, and I, I am excited to see the the whole new dynamic and the the unfolding of this family based sitcom, which is what it kind of becomes, really. I I don't think uh, anyone should feel bad, especially as a younger person, for only really. St- concentrating on the characters that they can directly um, relate to so I mean for us we were two brothers watching Only Fools growing up of course we just related mostly to to Del and Rodney and they're always going to be our focus and we look at everything through their lens and that's been one of the fun things about this project has been looking at other things and it's one of the things that I constantly complained about was just the the one dimension and lack of nuance and intrigue from some of the uh, well, pretty much all of the of the female characters, especially. And it's taken a while to get it. I mean, they got Corin really great. Marlene is fantastic. I don't know. It seems to be the wives. If someone gets married to someone or they're around long enough, they're great. But girlfriends, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's girlfriend has been rubbish, but the wives have been really good. I think that's like purpose, purposeful vilifying though. Like the the girlfriends or even small love interests have been that sort of antagonist position. Like that's that's kind of what they're supposed to be doing as well. So we're not, we're not supposed to have any respect for them, really. Not as women, but as characters. No, true. But I I, I think. Uh... I always feel like they missed a trick a little bit. It's like, well, this person isn't hanging around, so we don't have to give them any depth of character. And uh, that was something they really changed with Raquel in Dates. Mm. I mean, as far as far as I'm aware, at the time, she was a one-episode character, and yet she was really interesting and really nuanced, and f- I wanted to know more about her. And so, yeah, I'm chuffed that she's back. And... Yeah, what a clever introduction to bring her back. To, to this, this episode accomplished so many things by giving us a really fun romp getaway of all the lads. It introduced and dramatised Rodney's conflicts and issues with Cassandra, and it reintroduced Raquel and even invited her back to Peckham. I mean, that's that's quite a lot to accomplish in an episode, along with a shit ton of laughs and big surprises and exploding buses. I mean, there's a lot there. It's brilliant. And uh, looking forward now rather than back, I feel like I'm less comfortable with 
or or less less knowledgeable about like their episodes that I can almost spin off verbatim ninety percent of the the dialogue going on, and I feel less knowledgeable about series seven. We we got another special coming up, but but moving forwards. And because they're longer episodes, it's harder to be that that flawless about your memory of the episodes. So I'm super excited to uh, to go into some areas that I think now is just constantly moving away from what I'm actually right. But I'm, I might be overthinking that because there's some absolute crackers coming up in the next series that are going to be absolutely epic still so yeah i i think we can uh officially say we've done it we've done jolly boys it's been quite a journey i've enjoyed it thoroughly and uh looking forward to our next episode which we have mentioned multiple times is rodney come home a lot to look forward to what's our music this week jay to play us out so yeah every week i uh choose some music for us to go out on unfortunately this week is not a lot different than last week. We talked about the strength of the soundtrack on this episode. And this episode does something very different. We close out this episode not with the standard Hooky Street theme tune, but actually it cuts straight into Chaz and Dave doing Margate, which is just a brilliant song and obviously a, a, a perfect way to end this episode. So we'll leave you with Chaz and Dave and Margate. Yeah, this is definitely a very unique thing. I, I'd actually completely forgotten about it and I really enjoyed it when I when it kicked in. It's so silly, it's so Chaz and Dave, and you even get the corny little cameos from David Jason and Nick Lenhurst in there as well. So it's uh yeah, that it's good fun. I'm I'm glad you you're glad you're going for this. Rumour has it that the uh, the theme tune, the only Fools and Horses starting theme, John Sullivan originally wanted to have Chaz and Dave doing it, but wasn't able to get it for whatever reason and, and ended up doing it himself. But apparently that was well within his mind. So obviously quite uh, well, synonymous with Cockney life, so it all kind of fits in. That would have been very appropriate, certainly. But it almost seems sad to end... This is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time and it has been a hell of a pleasure to work our way through this episode and on your birthday, no less, Bob, what a memorable and brilliant way to to spend a birthday. Maybe not for you, but I had a great fun, so. (laughs) No, it was good. It was different. When we first figured out that that's what was going to happen, I was like, Oh, well, obviously, I can't record a podcast on my birthday. That's basically work. But then it's like, actually, I mean, it's a Sunday. I'm not exactly going to be going anywhere else. Would be fun to hang out. And it's a great episode to be talking about. Just to say exactly that, I thought today, leading up until this evening, that the podcast often can feel a bit like work, although we both enjoy it. There is definitely an element of it that, you know, we have to keep the schedule just because it was your birthday and our favourite episode. At no point today did I think it was work or feel like it was work. It it felt like a day off. It felt like a like a non-uniform day, as it were. 
yeah, I, I, what what sold it without a doubt was the fact it was this episode. Uh, I don't think we would have done this otherwise. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really nice that these two things coincided. As I said in the first episode, this is the first episode that was released with me on the planet. So uh, it all seems very appropriate. Lovely timing that everything's come together. And I've enjoyed it a lot. Thanks very much for joining us, everyone. And uh, really hope you join us again next time. Thanks, Jay. Cheers, mate. Have a great evening. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Much appreciated. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, forward slash Only Fools Brothers. Or on Twitter, we're at Only Fools Bros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com. Also really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye.